Sorry, my neighbors are watching Law and Order, and as I did that clap, I heard the dun dun dun. <laughs> like it kind of startled me. It kind of startled me a little bit. Oh my god! Uh, can this be a cold open? And now you play the intro. It might be because I I do enjoy that. Literally, it was as I clapped. It was just dun 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 dun. dun. It's like oh, okay. Um. Classes in session. <clears throat> yeah, hello and welcome to uh, this week's episode of Moral School for Dummies. I am your professor, Lear and Jass. I am Jordan, as always, by my co-professor. Jordan Deeb. And our lovely assistant, not assistant, our lovely student. You're not an assistant. You're not a TA can, just yet. Can I be an assistant? I sure. got through Endgame. True. Okay, <laughs> we could do our, our lovely TA. Yay! The audience is now our students. No, you know who our student is now? Amanda, who is oh, yeah. at this moment. She is our student now. If, when you get to this in probably several months from now, because you're really far behind on the podcast, you'll text me and I'll know. I'm Victoria <laughs> Lyman, by the way. <laughs> oh, God, the opening of this one is a gift. All right, we are we are back this week with episodes four and five. Yeah, Victoria. The vibes, I can already tell the vibes tonight are on another level. <laughs> this is going to be bad. All right. Um, yeah, so you got me, Jordan Victoria. You know the fucking deal. No one's popping into Hawkeye 2, episodes 4 and 5, like, without having heard <laughs> no. Three and four. Else. Three and four. Three and four. Did I just say four and five? Yes. Yeah. Which is funny because I have a document and I was looking at it before and I wrote three and four and then I wrote episodes four and five. I did the same exact thing, so. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, we already kind of said our thoughts on the show last week. Again, uh, don't listen to this without listening to last week's, I guess. Um, and, spoilers. Oh, one- and yeah. once again, too, I do want to say once again, I know I said it in last week's episode, but this is the first time that I've watched the whole show while we're recording these. So I'm going to try not to spoil things, but if for some reason you're listening to this and you haven't seen the last two, go and watch them, then come back and listen to the episode. Yes. Um, so yeah, um, so yeah, we're just going to jump right into the plot of episode three echoes we open in 2007 at a school we meet a young maya lopez who is deaf she's in class at a in a regular classroom with other non-hearing impaired students she lip reads the teacher's instructions and follows them uh the teacher comes over aware of maya's handicap and is surprised that the girl is following her instructions which kind of i'm not gonna lie rubbed me the wrong way yeah she comes over and she's like oh you've gone ahead and you're so good and it's like she's deaf she's not dumb yeah see my interpretation is the teacher was like oh she doesn't know what we're supposed to be doing and then she walked up to be like hey you need to be and then she's like oh like you kind of you're you know what's going on good for you but unless this was day one like this was the first day first moment you were ever meeting this child i feel like you should know if they have issues following along or not substitute no but like eh. um yeah uh later at home maya and her father william are doing little shadow puppets 
Uh, Maya asks why she can't go to basically a school for the deaf. And her father tells her that Maya is one of a kind and it would be better for Maya to go to regular school. When Maya asks if she'll have to stop signing, William assures her that she won't and she has to learn how to jump between two worlds. Later, Maya goes to karate and watches some other kids fight. William, who uh, is with her, tells Maya to be good in class and remember that it's more about speed than size. He also tells her that her uncle will come and pick her up. Uh, Maya grows up continuing to fight and win. After class, she goes to her father's garage and sees Ronan. After class one night, she goes to her father's garage and sees Ronan killing her father and all of his employees. The vigilante doesn't see her. Maya sneaks in, goes to her dying father, and he tells her to leave before dying. Yes. <laughs> Are you confused? Did you skip a time jump? No. No. We're she's about still to jump to the present. She's still a little kid when her father dies. No, it jumps forward, but like that's what I meant. Yeah, you made it sound like after karate class in that same episode when she's like seven. No, well, I said Maya grows up and continues fighting. Okay, just making sure. That's <laughs> like I said. Yeah, I literally Maya grows up and continues. Uh, fighting. That's what I'm saying. Did you after skip or did I miss here? No, you miss her. Okay, because I was like, uh, I don't remember her I being like think- a. Ch- why I got confused is I was like, I didn't think I needed to be like 10 years later with that one. I, I thought saying growing up was fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> 10 years later. Um, now we have another time jump to the present. Whatever fucking year this takes place in. Um, uh, 20... 25? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think the directors backtracked it and said, no, it, it it's not two years after what, what wait they said it was two years they after. they said it was supposed to be two snap. years after no two years after endgame yeah that, okay, but then I, then the the director came out and was like oh no i misspoke so it's just one year after i didn't, I didn't even know they said two years at one point i'm gonna go with two years yeah because one year puts this happening the same time as Spider-Man and that I know that they're I'm not saying they had to have intersected. It just seems like I, I just feel like it has to be after Spider-Man for reasons that we won't say. Yeah, I didn't even really think about that, but yeah. I only thought about it because they made it so clear that it was Christmas. That's not a spoiler. It was in the trailer. Um, that it was Christmas that it time. Was Christmas and Spider Man, and that it's Christmas and Hawkeye is the only reason that, like, he literally flips over the Rockefeller tree. Although I do enjoy thinking that they're happening at the same time. So, like, he moves there. He does this cool flip the next day. Ruin, demolish. Fun. But we'll get there. Fun. Um, I want to see somebody edit that shot with on like that, but like the spider-man shot and then on the ground you see just shit going down and then somebody edit the hawkeye fight and that in the background in the sky you just see spider-man doing flips and shit i my thing with like the timeline now is like i'm just like it's post the the blip and that's really all that i need to know (laughs) I, i i truly don't need years i just need you to tell me if it happens in conjunction with something else and only if that's important and only the only reason that anybody really cares about this one is just because like of some stuff that happens in the film that is 
wide has a wide effect yeah yeah like something happens in spider-man that has a very wide effect and that's the only reason i care because they take place in the same place that's the only reason why i care about where they fall place and time because like mm-hmm. no none of us cared that we didn't mention or see spider-man and like falcon in the winter soldiers finale but like Again, that's even different. Though, even though they considered that. I, I wish they made forget. more of a gag where they were just like, can you help us? And he's like, I'm busy. No. I'm busy. You guys were mean to me. Imagine <laughs> imagine Marvel wanted Tom Allen. They went to him and they were like, hey, will you be in like just like this last episode of Falcon War Soldier? He's like, no. <laughs> Sebastian Stan and Anthony Maggie make fun of me all the time. Fuck them. I don't want to be in a project with them. <laughs> like, imagine. It's like, fuck those guys. They can figure it out on their own. It is very cute, the like little rivalry he has rivalry he has with the two of them, though. Is like, it it's, a rivalry it's... or just them bullying him the way no, I bully he... you? He, he's he snapped back at them because one time Falcon was like, or somebody asked like Anthony Mackie in front of Tom Holland, "Have you seen Spider Man?" He's like, "I haven't seen the Spider Man movie. Why would I want to go see him?" I also and think Tom Holland that- goes, "Well, I've never seen the Falcon movie. Oh wait." And even Anthony Mackie pauses, be like, "Fuck, that was a good one." I also I'll give you think that, kid. It's just Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan. Like that's just them as people that they like fucking around like that. They like pushing people's buttons. I know I said I, I needed to keep us on track today, but I have to say this very quickly, and I promise there is a connection in my brain. But have you guys seen the trailers for uh, Pam, Pam and Tommy, or whatever that movie's called? Yes. No. Yes. Nick Offerman looks like a sex offender. He does. And also, <laughs> I, I need- Seth Rogen looks white trash, but Nick Offerman looks like a sex offender. I need to- point out what i read the other day that sold me on this show was it what she said about her divorce because if so same oh my god jason manzukis is voicing tommy's penis yeah. yeah that why i don't know but i need to watch it okay i would like to remind everybody that uh he did a lot of acid yeah yeah you think Sebastian Stan really got his nipples pierced? No, they're fake. no. <laughs> okay, let's go back to Hawkeye. <laughs> Anyways, um, the tracksuit mafia have taped Clint and Kate to mechanical toys and mock their two prisoners. When the thugs get bored and go off to play cards, Kate tells Clint that he would be lost without her. Clint says that he was about to clear her name from the suit when she crashed through the skylight. Tomas, a member of the mafia. Uh, is on the phone with his girlfriend and is arguing, angrily hangs up. He tells Kate that his girlfriend wants to use the tickets he got her as a present for her and her sister. Uh, he got her as a present for her and her sister to go see, I think it's a Magic Dragons. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Kate gives uh, Tomas advice. Um, it's cute. It is it's, very... It's really funny and cute. It is funny. Um... Maya comes in and notices that Clint is wearing a hearing aid. She untapes Clint and signs to him um, until he explains that he's not deaf, just hard of hearing. Uh, her interpreter... Kazi? Kazi, thank... Literally, it just... 
<laughs> like with the wind. Uh, Kazi uh, finishes untaping Clint and says that Maya asked why he is there. Uh, Maya signs to Clint that he relies too much on technology and might be better off without it. At which point Hawkeye says probably my favorite line that he's ever said in the MCU. I, the weapon of choice, my weapon of choice is a string and a couple of sticks. I don't depend on technology too much. Which, like, fair. Yeah. yeah? Okay. <laughs> this, this episode, this third episode was, like, when I was, like, I was, like, you know what? I like Clint. He's not terrible. I like him. Imagine if they had written him correctly from the beginning. Truly, though. Truly. And also if Jeremy Renner wasn't playing him. But that's a different story. <laughs> Which just bothers me because even if they had written him better, just written him better. It's still been Jeremy Renner. Just written him better. Oh, he would have been the so Natasha, much more likable. Yeah, and the Natasha Clint scene would have felt like what it was supposed to feel like. <laughs> instead of me just being like, I don't see why she has to die. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't understand why it has to be her. And I don't understand why she's holding on to Clint. So, like, I don't, I mean, I get it, but I don't. And I, I kind of wish you guys did this the other way around. And what's funny is, too, like, I also don't like Scarlett Johansson. But, like, she's she's a great actress. And she, like, knows what she's doing. Mm-mm. And so, like, I like Nat way more than I like Clint. Because they don't know how to write Clint. Exactly. Um... Uh, Clint explains that Kate put on the Ronin suit by accident and didn't know what it meant. Maya doesn't believe him and figures that Ronin is back. Clint then, so close to my favorite lines, is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That Ronin is dead because Black Widow killed him. Yeah. It's just being purposefully misleading. I mean, it. Do you hate it because of the whole like when she found me is when I stopped using that, pers- that like persona, and so she killed it. Like, is it that aspect or just the whole like, yeah, no, I'm gonna say that she killed him because that way they can't question her about it. No, um, I understand that logic. I don't like the way he delivers it and says it because there are other ways to be like. Ronan is is dead and if they ask a follow-up question be there when and be like well I was there when when Black Widow killed him that's yeah. different but the entire concept of it being like because he says it like he believes it he doesn't say it like it's like oh this will work this is a believable story they can never question it he says it as the moment Natasha killed herself for me I realized that everything I had to do as Ronan was terrible and my wife would be ashamed of me and I'm a garbage person and I'm going to hell everybody feel bad for me which is like very annoying (laughs) it's very annoying I'm gonna give right now I don't know I I just I'm giving Learen an Oscar for that performance you just did (laughs) thank you Thank you so much. Um, it doesn't mean anything to anyone except me. <laughs> it's just it. Oof, oof. Yeah. Um, the interpreter Kazi asked Kate why she put on the suit in the first place. Uh, Maya escalating the situation way higher than it needs to go, then grabs Kate by the throat. 
Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I just, I don't, I don't think we, nobody was being like mean. Nobody was like, I'm not telling you. Like they're being very forthcoming with the information. I feel like grabbing the girl by the throat was a little bit of an ex- escalation we didn't need. And and also, I, again, this is where we come back to this thing sometimes in the, the MCU where there's adult character. And like, I know Kate's an adult, but she's very, she's in college, you know? You see that and you're like, this is a child. And then there's always an adult character that's like, I'm ready to murder this child I'm right now. I'm going to throw down with this kid. Fuck them kids. Yeah. And it's like, it's just and very I mean, dark. To be, fair, to be fair, Maya's only a couple years older than Kate, but. But still, I just like, I don't know. Just there were other ways to go about this. Yeah, it's like every Spider-Man villain. It's like, dude, why are you beefing with a sixteen-year-old? Well, but at least in their case, they don't know he's sixteen. No, no, no. In Homecoming, he fights. Oh, I meant like the comics. Oh, yeah. In the comics, they don't. None of his villains know that he's sixteen. I was refer like when I said the MCU does this a lot. I was referring mostly to in Homecoming when Vulture's still like, "I'm going to kill this child. I do not care." Yeah, if he's that's going on a date. Like guys, <laughs> I don't care if he's dating my daughter. I'm killing. He says him. he goes, "I won't hesitate to kill you." He's like, "Listen, I'm gonna let you off. I actually kind of like you, but don't keep doing what you're doing." Or then, but that's wild. If you came up to me and told me that you said that to a child, I would call the police. He also, like, like, leaves him there under all of the ruins, like, to die. Well, I mean, I can understand. (laughs) He's already a villain. I can understand that logic of I did not directly kill the child. The building killed the child. No, I know. (laughs) I'm just, it's dark when you think about it in the way of, like, this is an adult going to murder a child. Yeah. It's like it's an escalation we didn't we didn't need. Yeah. But but the the MCU Man, they love doing twist it. was so fucking good. <laughs> okay. I think back to that sometimes cuz I I did not see that coming. Um Clint starts working um his duct tape against uh edge on the unicorn that he's riding. <laughs> Like the yes, <laughs> thank God you guys can't see what I'm doing with my arms right now. <laughs> Trying to like because it looks wrong. Um, it just, yeah. it's just it's just so funny to be like, yes, he's on a unicorn right now and trying to break the duct tape. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kazi pulls Maya off of Kate and argues with her about how like that was an overreaction that we didn't need. Yeah. Uh-huh. Kazi's kind of her conscious sometimes. Yeah. Truly, yeah. though? Yeah. Um, no. Clint tells Don't Kate- co- choke hold the child. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're do- they literally were just giving you all of the information you were asking for. Like, what are you doing? Just because you're not happy with it doesn't mean they need to die. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, but like... You know? <laughs> um... Clint tells Kate they're going to escape and go back to their families. He cuts through his bonds and runs, and all the, like, mafia guys chase after him, knocking down shelves and all that crap. As he drops to the floor, Maya arrives and kicks him in the fucking head with a boot, knocking out his hearing aid and then stepping on it. Yeah. Um, 
He dives into an office where he finds a quiver and bow. Kazi pulls a gun on Kate, which is like the moment that Kazi lost me where I was like, okay, like. Now you're the one about to kill the kid. I don't think we need a gun yet. Like, I think she's still duct taped, my man. If she wasn't, she'd be moving already. She's not just going to sit there unduct taped and wait. Like, you're fine. You don't bring a gun to a bow and arrow fight. Well, I think in this case, Clint brought a bow and arrow to a gunfight. Fair. Dumbass. Um, <laughs> uh, in nearby office, Clint manages to pin Maya to the wall with two arrows, which was very funny. And uh, jumps out, like, those windows that I don't know if they really exist, but it's supposed to be for, like, the floor manager of factories, that they have this big office set up above the warehouse that they can sit and, like, watch everything i'm like is this real is this like a real thing they have the same thing in twin peaks at the lumber yard inside where they cut all the wood and cut the trees down to to lumber the owner and like the manager have this like office set above it all where they can stand at the windows and watch everything happen i think it's very strange it's so (laughs) much of a trope that i feel like it needs to be real yeah because it would also make sense that like not like the manager of everything, but the manager of the warehouse should probably have his office in that vicinity. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we always tuck it away in a corner. So yeah, Clint jumps out the window. Um, As he jumps out the window, he shoots an arrow at Kate to cut her duct tape, which is just a risky move, not gonna lie. Uh, You should not be shooting a target that small while you're moving. You easily could have shot her in the arm. Still, you don't know how tight that duct tape is on her wrist. You don't yeah. know if her wrists are together down here. Yeah, they, he, they should have had him, like, nick her finger or something, just to be like, he's not always perfect. Because, like, if you knew that there was a gap up here in the duct tape where none of her skin was touching, like, whatever, but you don't know how her arm is in the duct tape. Like, you don't know how tight they have it. Yeah. Like, it's just risky. It is. Um... And like I said last week, if I think, or I said on the shared screen spoiler cast for Hawkeye, arrows, getting arrows out causes more damage than the arrow caused going in. We yeah. we did talk about this last yeah. week, I remember. That's what <laughs> makes them badass. Um, He falls in a ball pit. Kate knocks Kazi over while Kent, well, Kent. Kent. Well, Kent <laughs> dives below the, um, the uh balls and starts like swimming he pops up like jaws and jams two arrows and uh some bad guys feet (laughs) it's hilarious it's very well we we need more fight scenes in ball pits truly though i the the thing i liked about this show with the fight scenes is they were some of them were like a little comedic it kept me entertained Yeah. No, I enjoyed this fight. It was good. Um, Kate throws it, like, pushes a shopping cart at Kazi, uh, the two, uh, and runs to meet Clint. Clint runs out into the parking lot, followed by Kate, and hotwires an old car, telling Kate to drive. She argues, but he points out that he has no idea what she's saying because he can't hear anything. Uh, the mafia guys run out, and that kind of makes the decision for them that Clint has to drive. <laughs> um, 
the thugs jump into their car they're following them um one truck pulls ahead of them and the back opens and they start like just shooting uh anyway i started blasting what (laughs) it's from always sunny it's like a meme where frank dan defeater's character just goes so anyway i started blasting Said that like out of nowhere though, and I was like, "What <laughs> it's just is just out of nowhere?" And we didn't because Leanne said of... that um, oh, you know, the, but... the the back of the van opens and they start shooting. But Jordan, <laughs> the problem was it didn't all come through. All that came through was and started blasting at full <laughs> volume without any of the setup, and so we like it just that was nonsense. At first. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> And I, I've seen quite a bit of It's Always Sunny now, but I haven't seen that episode. But I know the meme you're referencing. <laughs> but I think if I had seen the episode, I would have known what you were talking about. <laughs> I've just never seen It's Always Sunny. But you know uh, the egg meme. Yeah. The egg meme. Um. <clears throat> So uh, Clint then tells Kate that he's all out of uh, all out of arrow any arrows that aren't trick arrows. So Kate starts using the trick arrows. The first one is a a, a goo arrow. Goo. I like these. I wish we saw more trick arrows throughout yeah, the MCU. Yeah, same, dude. Same. Like they these are all cooler than the stupid fucking USB stick arrow from Avengers. Like, his trick arrows are so cool. And, yeah. like, they looked like they do in the comics. I'm and, like, conf- even... Yeah, I'm very confused why they didn't add these anytime sooner than this. Right? It's like, what the fuck were you guys it's, doing? Like, like, they didn't all have to be as comedic, but, like, give us some cool fucking arrows. Yeah. yeah dude. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up. It's also, like, kind of annoying, like, continuity-wise, just because, like, all of a sudden now he has trick arrows, and I'm like, where were all these when we needed them? <laughs> yeah, I feel like the only other things we've seen before are, like, grapple hook arrows. The USB which, one that Aaron The USB one. Uh, electrical shock ones where, like, he'll just, you know, electrocute yeah. a person. I don't know. I feel like that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the first one's goo. Um, then she shoots one that explodes when it hits the engine. Um, she shoots just like a random arrow and it turns out to be a suction arrow, which doesn't do anything really at this moment. Uh, Clint then swerves into a Christmas tree lot. Kate shoots a line arrow into Kazi's truck and the line snags trees nearby, pulling them into the trees. The truck plows into some more trees and then stops. I said trees a lot in that sentence. I apologize. Uh, Clint then gives Kate an acid arrow uh, to bring down the stoplight ahead and then swings the car around. Maya pulls up in her Challenger and Clint and Tomas fight while Kate shoots a smoke arrow into Maya's car. Uh, Clint pulls away while the blinded Maya drives into the side of the bridge. He is forced to stop when the cars are jammed up ahead and other uh, mafia trucks head for them. Clint gets out and hands Kate an arrow and the two of them shoot at approaching trucks. Kate shoots... uh, Kate shoots up, and then Clint shoots her arrow with his own that has pin particles in the warhead. The first arrow enlarges and comes down on the leading truck. Clint this was fucking cool. Yeah. It was dope. 
Clint gives Kate his USB arrow, tells her to cover him. Uh, he runs forward, grabs the suction arrow, then ducks down as Maya and her men on foot shoot at him. Kate fires the USB arrow into Ivan, but it bounces off of his chest. Which bugs me because the physics of that are not correct. If somebody shot you with an, an arrowhead that had a U, an arrow that had a USB in place of an arrowhead with a bow at that range, it wouldn't just bounce off you comedically like that. <laughs> if nothing, you would get a bruise. It's that's still a projectile. Yeah, just like being shot into your chest from a high tension cord, like. I'm not saying it would kill you, but it would do damage. No, yeah. How fast does this have to go to, like... <laughs> Very fast. That would absolutely kill you if you got shot with it. Jordan has a um, a USB. U- USB cord, and that's what he's asking about. Not any force you can create with your own body. We'll try it. On this episode of Mythbusters... No. No, no, no. No. Um... <laughs> Clint runs to Kate and tells her to follow. They jump off the bridge and he fires a grappling arrow fastened to his bow. Kate grabs the bow and they swing under the bridge onto a passing train in a scene that gives Liaren a lot of agita. Um, mm, the the car part before when they first start the car chase, mm-hmm. that gives me motion sickness, that part. Oh, see, the part where he's stuck just constantly going in reverse, that's the part that gives me like anxiety. Uh. Yeah. yeah well that whole yeah that whole section no the car first... chase part i'm fine with it's when he has to start going in reverse like consistently that whole scene gives it to me i like my mom my mom gets really motion sick like that too um what am i doing where am i <laughs> mom <laughs> shout out to the moment where clint was like we're not hot we're not breaking into a 76 challenger so it's a good thing that they didn't, because apparently that's Maya's car. I mean, yeah. counterpoint, maybe they should have, because it was Maya's car. You know, that would have kept her away. But it also probably would have killed them in the end, because she would have been mad. Been really mad, yeah. yeah. Um, when they get, uh, they ride the train, they get to Kate's aunt's apartment again. Clint has ice on his body. While Kate takes Lucky for a walk. While she's out, uh, Clint gets a call, but he can't hear anything because of his lack of hearing aids. So Clint, so Kate writes out that it's his son, Nathaniel. Since Clint still can't hear, Kate interprets for him that Nathaniel is bored. Um, Clint manages to keep the conversation going with Kate writing out whatever Nathaniel says and then responding. When his son asks if Clint will be home that night, he says he won't. And, um... Nathaniel tells Clint it's okay if he won't be there for Christmas. His father promises he will be there for Christmas, but has to go. This part Uh makes me sad. I also feel for that kid, and this is the trouble of being raised by an Avenger. No, get your fucking ass home for Christmas. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like, go home. Like, handle this, but go home. But also, why are you trying to handle this on your own? Like, yeah... I don't. Anyways, at the toy warehouse, Maya has her men load up as uh, since they've been discovered at that location. A person they are against knows that they operate there. Um, 
Kazi talks to Maya privately and says that things got out of hand. He says that they have to keep a low profile because if Uncle finds out what they're doing, he won't be happy. Kazi then reminds Maya that her father always put the crew first, and Maya reminds Kazi that she's in charge. <laughs> Which, like, that conversation basically goes, fair points, but I'm still in charge hereby. Um, um, I hear what you're saying. Fuck you. I hear what you're saying, but I'm not going to hear that. Have a good evening. Um, do, do, do. Clint and Kate go to an audiologist and sit waiting at her door shop, door stop, door, sh- door, doorstep. Thank you. Leanne's doing her best. When I get really tired, my stutter starts and like. What's fun is when I'm on the phone with Jordan when he can't see me and he doesn't know if I'm pausing and and trying to get it on my own or if he should just give me the word. And it's very funny to listen to. (laughs) It's very sweet that he's like, I don't want to cut her off and finish the sentence, but like, I also don't know if she needs me to. And it's very sweet. Help a friend or mansplain. It's very. (laughs) What do I do here? (laughs) There's Um, a line that I'm unsure if I need to cross. (laughs) Um, the audiologist arrives and agrees to fix Hawkeye's hearing aid. Afterwards, they go to a Chinese restaurant and Kate tells him that she has always dreamed of fighting at Clint's side. Clint gets, you know, emo again and warns that being a hero comes with a price. Uh, Kate figures that Ronan is someone close to Clint and that he has to keep their, his job is to keep their secret. He tells Kate that he's not a role model to anyone and never has been, which I didn't realize until the show is my biggest pet peeve. Like, when people are like, I'm not a role model, and I never, like, what, what's her face for my Carly? Not Miranda Cosgrove, the other one. Jeanette McCurdy. Thank you. I know that she's had a lot of issues, but when she was like, I'm not a role model, and I never asked to be, I was like, nobody asked to be, but, like, kids are gonna look up to you because you were on a kid's show. Yeah. I, I really don't know what to tell you here. Yeah. Like... Parents, you don't have to, like, do whatever the parents want you to do that is making them be, like, you're a role model, but, like, nobody asked to be a role model. Well, like, I mean, I I, I kind of get where, like, with this with the teenage celebrity thing where it comes from, where it's, like, I got casted on a show for eight-year-olds, but I'm also not going to keep my image for well, that's eight-year-olds. Well, I mean, is that and- if the parents are saying shit and being, like, you should be doing – like, if, if Kathy down the road – is mad at Miley Cyrus for showing her boobs when she is well over the age of 18 and well in control of her own body. Um, That's different. But if a child comes up to you and is like, you're my role model, and you're like, I didn't ask to be a role model, which has happened with other celebrities, I'm like... Yeah. But they they just think you're cool. Like, it's not deep. They're not like... If they find out that you voted for somebody else, like... The child is not going to be mad at you. Like, when kids say role model, they mean I want to have the same career that you do. I want to do what you're doing in this moment. It has nothing else to do with anything else. Yeah. And then, with yeah, like I get, I get where you just gotta learn how to find that funny. Yeah. Well, Kathy down the street should also. <laughs> Should also, though, like, parents need to be like, hey, like, just a reminder, like, just because, like, so-and-so's cool on TV doesn't mean that you should follow everything that they do. But the other thing, too, is maybe this is just a me thing, and you guys can can tell me if it's a me thing. 
I didn't really know what was going on with celebrities when I was young. Like, that element of, like... How young are we talking? And what, what like, define celebrity? So... <laughs> no, no, like, I'm being serious. Like, like, every single 12-year-old girl who has ever lived in America, I read Teen Beat, which was, like, kind of a celebrity magazine, and, like, as I got yeah. older, I started reading Seventeen. But beyond that, I didn't really follow... Like, I never really followed TMZ and would see, like... Yeah, know, no. That, that you fucking what's her face from victorious was out with some guy that's a lot older than her i wasn't cognizant of that no i was yeah i was on twitter like i was too young and i was on twitter like i was 13 and i joined twitter and i mean like i would follow them on twitter so like i would see stuff that they were posting on there Mm -hmm. and if people were tweeting stuff i would maybe see it but twitter was also different uh 12 years ago you know it yeah. wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't like there were paparazzi pictures like every, you know, every single day roaming around and TMZ tweeting all the time. So, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I wasn't seeing stuff like that, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I knew about like the celebrities I, I, I wanted to or like were within my dem- like if I like if I turned on the Today Show because my parents used to watch it every morning and I hear that like, you know, freaking like. Miranda Cosgrove. No, 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 not like like as somebody that I truly do not care about. Like fucking John Claude Van Damme has a scandal that went in one year and out the other. Like I did not give a fuck. But like when Disney stars went Your through, go to actor was John Claude Van Damme. I How truly old don't know, are you? No, that's what I'm saying is I truly don't know anything about that man. So if he's in a news story, it means nothing to me. That's why he's an example. <laughs> actor that comes to your mind about who you don't care about is Jean-Claude Van Damme. Wait, wait, wait. I have something even better. I didn't even know that was a real person. I thought that was a name Jordan just made up. No, it is. It's very real. I have to ask Jordan a follow-up since Jordan does know who Jean-Claude Van Damme is. Um, Do you know any of his movies or do you only know him because of the Friends episode? I, I have heard of him, and I know he was an action star. I the Muscles from Brussels, hell yeah. That What? <laughs> See, that was his nickname, The Muscles from Brussels. All I knew is that he was an action movie star that at some point had a career. Then I yeah, saw the Friends the episode. And yeah, in yeah. the 80s and 90s, he was like... Um, He's like the French Steven Seagal to me. I know that dad's somewhere like him, and he did action okay. movies. <laughs> But that's what I'm saying. It's like those types of celebrities truly he's like, like a little different than Steven Seagal. Like, yes, I, I assume one of them's a good actor, and um, it's not no, Steven Seagal. Of them are good actors, but Steven Seagal is like fucking insane. Was never like ripped. I mean, Jean Claude Van Damme might be insane, but Jean Claude Van Damme was more like if Arnold Schwarzenegger and like I was almost said Ted Cruz. <laughs> What? I meant to say Tom Cruise and Ted Cruz just almost came out. If it's like it was like if like Liam Neeson and like the kind of movies he was in looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like in his Mr. Universe days. Interesting. So he wasn't action like Schwarzenegger or um Stallone. He was like more no, of like the but he looked more like them. What that is weird. Like, um, 
Anyway, like that that type of celebrity didn't care about. But like, obviously, I heard about all the like fucking like when Lindsay Lohan was getting arrested in Paris Hilton, like got caught with coke. Like for some reason that I knew about. See, it was like I that was wild. I knew like like when Britney shaved her head, but I didn't. Yes, that know was everywhere. About, like yeah, like I didn't know about Lindsay Lohan doing coke. But even that, like, okay, so maybe this is just a me thing. But like, yeah, the even like Lindsay. But see, I feel like you did pay to celebrity. You did pay attention to celebrity gossip in some extent because you knew about Prince Henry's like bachelor party photos. No, Jordan. Okay, let me. A, his name is not Henry. His name is Harry. Okay, let me. <laughs> so my bad. Let me tell this story because I think this story speaks volumes about me as a human. Oh my god! So I'm ready. Uh, every morning, uh, I used to uh, for K through eight. I went to Catholic school, and it we started really late. We started at like eight eight thirty every morning. So I would get up at like six thirty because part of my day is my parents forcing me to eat breakfast because I fucking hate e- eating breakfast even to this day. And I would sit at YouTube in my house. You know, we have that breakfast counter with the high stools. Mm-hmm. We would sit there and we used to have in um, our kitchen, we used to have a tiny, a little TV, like maybe 14 inches, like a little TV. It was fat. It was like the ones that were like this in the back. Yeah. A CRT. Them. Yeah. And it would sit on top of the fridge and we had a cable box in there so that we could, the kids could watch, we could watch TV while we eat breakfast. But in the morning. While my parents were getting ready for work, too, it was always on Good Morning America. It is why, to this day, the only person I trust to get my news from is Robin Roberts, Diane Sawyer, and George Stephanopoulos are the only three people I trust to give me my news. Uh, Because I've been watching Good Morning America forever. Prince Harry, I don't remember what birthday it was for. I want to say his 21st. I was like seven years old. And he decided to go to Vegas for his birthday. Or because he was on leave. Prince Harry. Wasn't it like right before he went for the military, something yeah. like that? Um, Either way, dude had partied hard, and I respect dude him went for to it. Vegas and partied real hard. Um, where he basically, um, the night ended with him and some very attractive women, and probably some prostitutes playing strip billiards, and Prince Harry lost. <laughs> And the um, prostitute or call girl escort, whatever she identifies as, took out her phone and took pictures of Prince Harry buck-ass naked in this oh giant penthouse in Las Vegas and sold them to TMZ. Beautiful. You know what? Girl, get that coin. I would and do it, it too. It was such a big thing that it was being covered because you see... I, I apologize to any family listening to this, but you see ass, you see, you like almost the asshole, you see full on peen, peen, and he's bent over, it's from behind when he's bent over at one point, so you see full on like, Balzac, like, you see everything, and that's when I became cognizant of Prince Harry, and I've had a crush on Prince Harry ever since. <laughs> Like, I love him so much. I think he is so I, I love this story. I can't believe I've never heard this story before. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, you're in a way. Was this your sexual awakening? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's it's got to be, I hate to say this, but it's got to be either him or Kevin Jonas. Those are the only two options. Well, okay, yes. Yeah, speaking of Disney stars, and in hindsight, Ooh, I, I realize... I'm about to say I realized that this was wrong, but there was a thing where like Miley Cyrus's phone got leaked when she was like 
I think like 16 or something. Keep in mind, I'm younger than her. So when I'm looking at these pictures, I'm 13, 14. But oh. like, it's not good to look at leaked photos. But I was like, I know whoa. What what to, I, okay, I need to point out something really quick. <laughs> I did not look at the leaked photos. I have never seen the naked Prince Harry photos in their entirety. I saw the heavily, heavily censored ones that were on Good Morning America. <laughs> that's a really important detail for this story. I'm well, not going to shame you if you were a kid. I would assume that Good Morning America was not showing his full ass, you know? <laughs> no, it had a black bar across it in all three three shots because they popped up one by one by one while they talked about how like the queen had to like release a whole statement oh about God. it and like everybody had to come out and make comments william had to come out and make comments the Somebody royal jewels the army had to come out everybody was making jokes about his royal ju- jewels everybody was making jokes that he was ginger like the I think this is uh, the, truly the most ridiculous tangent we've ever gone on on this podcast, but it's I mean, you're right. We've gone on a lot of weird tangents, but none of them except this one have included, you know, royal family's ball sack. So, you yeah. know, this one takes the cake. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's either got to be Prince Harry or Kevin Jonas was my first. But yeah, no, that's what I mean about like celebrity stuff. Like when I found out that like my Miley Cyrus had like some scandalous photo leaked, which in hindsight is like she was growing up. She was discovering herself. Are you talking about the Annie Lennox photo? No, no, not no, not the one that she posed for. There, I know what Jordan's talking about. There's like, there was like one of her in like a green bra, kind of yeah, like you know, like t- ones that you take when I'm you're not a gonna teenager. Find these. I'm not that, gonna go ahead and find these, but I'm letting don't. you know that these please are real. Don't. They're like selfies that she took, like in her yeah. room. She's she probably, probably sending, sending them to one of the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> let's be honest. Honestly, yeah, probably sending them to Nick. <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> You know what's funny? Do you know what's funny that I also have to mention here? Because we were talking about the Jonas Brothers. Like I said, when I was younger, I had a huge crush on Kevin Jonas. What is hilarious is as I've gotten older, I realized that Kevin Jonas is not my favorite Jonas brother. It is absolutely Joe Jonas. And if I were a human today and had to pick between people, not the Jonas Brothers, just people that like one man that looked like Kevin Jonas and one man that looked like Joe Jonas, we all know I was going to pick Joe Jonas. I would pick Joe Jonas. But are we talking about current or what they looked like back then? I'm talking about now. now back then i thought kevin was better now i'm like oh no <laughs> like, yeah no. Has, like really nice but hair even back like, then i feel like if, if your personality was it the roughly the same in middle school yeah you're very much a joe person yeah i was gonna say i feel like joe you seem like a joe well, i feel like you're joe's it's aesthetic but you also like to you know be unique so i feel like i'm gonna go for kevin i think that was probably part of it because that's the thing is at that age it was probably more every uh, everyone else who was my friend was uh probably either had a crush on nick or joe and yeah. i knew because i i did the same thing with twilight because we were middle schoolers and middle school girls and that's what you do but everybody was like who do you like and people would get in fights about who liked who more so i always picked the one no one gave a fuck about because uh, then Emmett was my Emmett, favorite. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, and to be real, Emmett is my favorite in the books. Emmett is absolutely my favorite in the books. But that uh, reminds me, I need to get a Everybody loved shirt. either Edward, Jacob, or Y. I, I thought I said it on or, this podcast. We did talk about it on this podcast. I'm going. I'm going to the to premiere Batman. of the Batman oh, in yeah. a 2012 esque nice. Twilight. Nice. Um, please, yeah. if you find one, buy me one too. <laughs> like, but literally, what it was is everybody either loved Edward or Jacob, obviously, and if girls girls who thought they were Alice, like truly thought that they were Alice, loved Jasper. Nobody gave a fuck about Emmett. So whenever these fights would break out, and they'd be like, Leon, well, who do you like? I'd be like, whichever one is the least popular. Yeah. Whichever one is the least popular, I will take it. I feel that. Because fuck. 
But then anybody I thought, remember when the Hunger Games first dropped and people tried to copy the the Team Edward Team Jacob thing with Gale and Peta and Mo, then and a lot of other people had to be like that. That's not the point of these books. Stop it. But it's also that started also with the books because in the books as opposed to the movie there is more of a rivalry between the two of them. Yeah, where in the books, they're just kind of like, hey. But I feel like Twilight turned the whole. What I'm saying is like. Twilight, the books had not completed yet, so like, and I didn't read them, but my my interpretation was like, we didn't know which one she was gonna pick until like no, the we first. No, in they... Twilight, we knew. Yeah, no. Jacob was never actually a contender. No, yeah, that's he was a, just that's the he whole was just thing. by Taylor Lautner. No, no, what it is is that there were people that loved Jacob, and if you read the books as an adult human being, maybe I'll find illegal copies of Twilight, download them, and reread them because I'm curious. Um, anyways, but. I just got an idea for a podcast. Um, <laughs> no, if, if it incorporates me, I'm telling you from now, it's a no. No, I would never ask you to read. I maybe would ask you to watch the Twilight movies, but I would no. never ask you to read the Twilight books. Um, Part of me wants you to watch the Twilight movies just because they're so bizarre. Anyway. They are bizarre. In the books, a, a normal person looks at those and goes, Jacob at first, in the first like two books-ish, Jacob is the healthier choice here, my man? Could we... Yeah yeah get there um and it's just she we always knew that she was he was not a real contender and so there were people that just like liked him and enjoyed getting mad at people that liked her and edward edward together um Uh, but yeah, so it's like, it was always a thing and like, not for nothing, the argument is stupid because we all knew it was going to be Edward, but we, okay, let's, let's get back to yeah. Hawkeye. Cause this was the longest tangent I think we've ever gone on. <laughs> yeah. I also, Three episodes in thing, a row we've mentioned Twilight. Damn. This isn't where I'm going. This is the last thing I'm going to say on Twilight. But no, the other no, we didn't. We didn't mention Twilight in the last Hawkeye episode. Okay, so but Shang, was it Shang-Chi Eternals? Shang-Chi and Eternals, and now this one. That is the other reason <laughs> that I'm like, I want to do like not a podcast or like a video or something on Twilight just because we've said it so, we've talked about it so goddamn much on this I podcast. Mean, I, I never finished watching those movies. I would be How? so- They only get better. There is something that happens in the last movie that <laughs> is- When you say better, do you mean thing. worse? Can yes, I, I absolutely mean can worse. Can I say though, yes. like what happened was I stopped caring. I stopped caring. So did about I, them. Victoria. I'm about to tell you a fun, <laughs> quick story. I did not give a fuck about Twilight by the time the last movie came out. My boyfriend dragged me to go see the second Twilight movie, Stop. basically kicking and screaming. I did not want to go. I was miserable. But then it is the most bananas film I have ever seen in my goddamn life. I... And the final, like, 20 minutes. Anybody listening to this who have seen the last Twilight movie, you know what 20 minutes I'm talking about. It is, yes, that boyfriend. It is, fuck, yeah, <laughs> let that sink in. He also wrote an 102-page book report while he was in high school on New Moon, the second uh, book in the Twilight series. And at the time, I did not see this as a red flag. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, um, I got dragged to that movie. That that 20 minutes is 
worth the price of admission. It was so, it's so fucking funny. Like, yeah, see, I saw the first three, and then after that, I didn't care anymore. I was like, I'm over this. Victoria, so it would be I, fun I, to I, found, I found Edward, like the, that Edward shirt everyone had Stop. on Etsy. Stop. Do you right. want the Edward at the top or the? I'll send you screenshots. Okay, we'll we'll talk Let's about this off podcast. Um, anyways, uh, he tells Kate he was now a role model to anyone and never has been. Kate says that he left his family on Christmas to help a girl he didn't know when she screwed up, and that they're in it together. Um, they go for a walk in the park. Uh, Clint begins telling Maya the history of the mafia and that there is someone above Maya. They catch a cab and Clint worries about the stuff that was left behind at Avengers Compound that had been sold at the auction. Kate figures Jack is involved and that they'll need more evidence by sneaking into Eleanor's penthouse and checking her company files. The duo sneak into the penthouse as Kate accesses Eleanor's laptop and discovers that Kazi is employed by a company owned by Bishop Security or connected to Bishop Security. Clint hears someone come in. While the security system locks Kate out of the laptop, Clint looks around. Jack pulls the Ronin sword on Clint and tells him not to move, which was a really, really cool ending, not gonna lie. Um. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, episode four, Partners, am I right? Um, Kate runs in as Jack tells Clint not to move, holding the Ronin sword to his neck. Then Eleanor comes in. And in this moment, I feel for Eleanor because that's a lot to walk in on. <laughs> yeah. Your fiance is willing to kill someone. Your fiance has the sword to somebody's neck. That someone is an Avenger and your daughter is in the room as this is about to happen. Lot to take in. And it's like yeah. the middle of the day on a Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> like, and your daughter looks like she's gotten the shit kicked out of her. Yeah. Yep. Um... Uh, Kate, yeah, so, uh, Jack realizes that Clint is Hawkeye and lowers the sword. They all sit down at the dining table. Kate says that she and Clint are working on a case together, um, and that Clint needed to use the bathroom, so they dropped in. She says that Clint is her partner, while Clint insists that they are not partners or friends. Eleanor gets a text from her company that someone used her laptop to sun in sign into the company mainframe, and Jack thanks Clint for saving the world. Because <laughs> Jack is just having a great time. <laughs> Jack is so pure. Jack quickly, like, I know Learen said it too, but Jack quickly goes from, like, I, something's wrong about this man to, like, I love him and you know what? He's doing his best. <laughs> I just, I, I just like how the way he lives his life. In, in like five seconds, he went from, I will murder you to thank you for your service. <laughs> and like, did somebody say potty? Like, what a way to live. Like, yeah. truly, what a way, what a way to exist. And we'll talk about this more when we get into, I think, the last episode. There's something he does that I'm like, yeah, my man, like, this is, this is dope. I think he's just, like, he's down to clown always. I love it. And good for him. I want to go out drinking with, with, with Jack. I Ooh. strive for that energy that he has. Victoria, do you know who Jack reminds me of? Who? The older women that Jordan met at Mahoney's. You know the guy that they were with? He's like oh, a sore oh brand of that guy. And I yeah. love it. Are we, are we just going to glaze over the older women Jordan met at Mahoney's? Yeah, obviously I'm, not, I know this I'm story. not telling that story right now. We're just going to glaze over it. No. But yes, the guy that they were with, the older gentleman that they were with, yeah. he's like, oh I love God. it. I love it so much. He was a bitch. 
Just real sometimes quick. I wonder. No, no. Was that us in fifty years? Like, like, did we time travel? Yeah. No, yeah. I never would have done those things. <laughs> Same, but like, you get what I'm saying. No, you know? the energy was the energy was there. They were they were us in another life. I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why the conversation started is because both groups were keenly aware. <laughs> it was like a funhouse mirror, and one end saw the younger versions, and one end saw the older versions. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that's who who Jack reminds me of in a in a weird way, like connects in my brain. Um, Eleanor demands that Kate start telling the truth, uh, and Kate admits to logging into the computer because she needed to look up some information. While Eleanor asks Clint if he and Kate are working together, Clint reluctantly says that they are, and Eleanor agrees to trust everyone at the table to do what they think is right. She escorts Clint out and privately tells him that Kate is not a superhero, uh, and that being good isn't enough to keep someone alive and remember what happened to natasha which is real fucked up um clint says that he understands and that he can't forget the case but will make sure that kate stays safe uh as he goes clint pockets the sword uh that jack stole and texts laura to run a background check on eleanor's security company eleanor calls somebody and leaves a message for them asking them to call her back when Clint is on the street, Laura calls him back and says that Jack is laundering money for the big guy. She figures that Clint is going to need another day in New York City, and he says he can't leave until he knows Kate is safe. Laura asks her husband if anything else went missing from the compound, and he mentions the Rolex. He asks Laura to check the signal from the transmitter, tells him to take it e- uh, Laura tells him to take it easy, and then hangs up. Laura then tells her children that Clint is going to be stuck at work a little longer. Was this the one where she just casually slips into German? I think so. Yeah. I I just wanted us to acknowledge that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> it's the one where, where everybody's just like, oh, she speaks fluent German. Yeah. Um. Which, like, as somebody who comes from, like, a multi-language household, but I've also have, like, aunts and uncles that haven't taught their kids the other language – Having a language that you can understand and your kids can't helps you a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do with that advice as you will. Do with that what you will. <laughs> um, it's also very important to me that you guys know that I accidentally wrote Cliff instead of Clint in this next sentence. Cliff. Cliff Bar. Cliff Bar Barton. <laughs> uh, Kate is... Uh, laying on the couch as Eleanor tells Jack that Kate has always been obsessed with Clint since he saved her during the Chitauri attack. Um, I don't like that they have this, Eleanor tells Jack this information as if Kate is not sitting there. Yeah. Like, I thought when, because when it's just focused on Kate, I thought everybody else was in another room. And then I, it pulled out and revealed they were all, like, within 10 feet of each other. I'm I, like, this is weird. I also, also feel like it's a little weird that they're like, he saved her. Like, yes, he just did what he was doing. He like saved the city. <laughs> I don't know. They almost belittle her. Well, it's like where it's like, you know, she ran into like her hero on the street. And they're like, oh, you know, she's been a big fan of you. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's very weird. Um, Once Jack to goes to goes to get some tea for Eleanor. Kate tries to talk to her mother about Jack, but Eleanor refuses asking for for Kate's help with the company party. 
Uh, Kate isn't interested. We have a very cute moment where Jack comes back in and offers to teach Kate how to dance and starts dancing with Eleanor. And it's very sweet. And I love him so much. And is much. trying to sing uh, a Christmas song or the yeah, Christmas song. It's very cute. Um, Kate smiles as she watches them and Eleanor says that she's glad they are both there with her for the holidays. At the apartment, Clint tapes frozen food to his bruises and sits down to relax. Mood. Kate arrives with pizza. Um, she says that she'll get Clint home to his family in time for Christmas and proposes a movie marathon of Christmas movies. Clint thanks her for the thought and says he's done a little digging and found out that Jack launders money for the tracksuits. Kate hands out ugly sweaters, discusses tricks, arrows. They, like, try to come up with a plan. They do that weird coin thing. Um, this, so where I got some of my notes put in that the margaritas that they're drinking were slushies, and I think that's really funny. I, this little montage is very wholesome. It's cute, um, yeah. But very I cute. have to point out really quick that one of the mugs that they use says Thanos was right. And that makes me think then that there is a musical number in Rogers the Musical that says something like that. Because not only was it written in the bathroom stall, but it all, there's also a mug. Oh, I think it's a movement. But like I also which, feel which like it's up questions like, about Kate's aunt. Yeah, see that's where I went with it was that I was like, oh, is Kate's aunt like a conspiracy theorist? Oh, okay. See, I was thinking more so that there is a whole musical number and this is merch that they sell at, at the show. No, I don't I don't think I don't think they're they're uh a, far enough gone to make jokes about the snap yeah, yet. I think it's that there are people like what we see in Falcon and Winter Soldier that there are people that think that it was better uh, during the snap or that overpopulation snap. should be solved the Good. way. Good. Okay, we're learning a lot about Kate's aunt then. Yeah. Which is why, yeah, I legitimately think the bathroom thing was like, I don't know if this happens in girls' bathrooms, but like, have you ever been to a bathroom? There's like a swastika on the wall. I I guess I know what you're talking no. about, but I haven't I seen one. I know about bathroom graffiti. I have never in a girls' restroom ever seen somebody draw hate hate symbols or write hate speech. Which is well, I'm where sorry, we I'm get not into... sexist and assume that women can be Nazis too. Okay, <laughs> I was gonna say though we're gonna get into a weird issue where we're like this is this is a men's problem. <laughs> It probably anyway. is. No, but yeah, that's a thing. Where like you'll go into a men's stall and there is a there's a lot of bathroom graffiti in the Barnes and Noble's bathroom, by the way. Don't know why of all of the bathrooms it's I don't know. There like, is it's literally weird. Jordan, there is literally none in the women's room. Yeah. There's always been a lot in the men. I've been going to that Barnes and Noble since I was like seven. There so is a have lot. I. I've been going there since I can that is the only bookstore I have ever been in. Um Sometimes yeah, there are borders because it was closer. But Barnes and Noble, there is never been graffiti. In There's the a lot in the men's room. one. That's hilarious. But, yeah, some, but not in that one. But in general, in men's bathroom graffiti, you'll see swastikas on the wall. So I feel like Thanos was right as the new version of that. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, Good talk we had. <laughs> currently, there's one in the Barnes and Noble's bathroom that says, "Here I am, feeling thwarted, came to shit, but only farted." Dash <laughs> William Shakespeare. <laughs> Clint talks about the time he was sent out to shoot a woman and couldn't do it because he was right in thinking that she wanted out of the situation she was in. Kate quickly realizes he is talking about Natasha um, and they go back to watching movies. I think it's wild that S.H.I.E.L.D. sent Clint to shoot Natasha with a bow and arrow. (laughs) 
I I know that we've known for years that that's how they met, and I'm okay with that. And I appreciate the consistency. I just, every time it is mentioned to me, I go, they really went, this woman is the most dangerous killer on the planet. We need to take her out. We're going to send the guy with the bow and arrow. <laughs> like, I just, I feel like there's other people we couldn't, could have sent, right? Um. But, uh, yeah. They talk about the blip and how Clint lost his family, and Kate works out that Clint was Ronan. Jordan, get off your phone. <laughs> you can't even access Twitter right now. Get off your phone. I can access it. You can't tweet. Just, I can't tweet. Um, this is like that episode of Parks and Rec. This is what I've been thinking of all week that I haven't been able to put a word on. It's Tom when he gets his phone taken away. <laughs> That's what that I've been trying to nail where I have felt this feeling before, and it's watching that episode of Park and Recreation. Oh my god! That's when I crashed into the fire hydrant. Uh, sorry, allegedly crashed into the fire hydrant. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, we gotta get, we gotta get Jordan like a like a dummy phone or something. <laughs> oh god! Uh, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> Yeah, Jordan got banned off Twitter <laughs> for a week. I am shadow banned for a week. I can, I can, wa- I can look and send messages, but I can't do anything else because Jordan I saw. Look, vi- but he cannot touch. Uh, Jordan, it's like the strip club say, of the internet. Please yeah. do not say what you tweeted. Um, yeah, no, no, it's not go there. But if you want the whole story, go to my Twitter. Um, I posted the whole thing. <laughs> Uh, it might, anyway. uh, by the time this comes out it'll have been a few weeks ago but still it's on there I don't tweet that often um do, 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 uh, they talk about the blip and how Clint lost his family uh, and Kate works out that Clint was Ronan he says that he's always been a weapon uh, and has always been aimed at people which is a really dumb line um, Clinton tells Kate that all the mistakes he made are tied to him and his family, and he can't go home until he fixes what he did while he was running. Clinton thanks Kate for coming over and tells her that she should get some rest. She goes to bed, and Clint tries to sleep, but starts, like, remembering the people he killed while he was running, and, like, reliving Natasha's death for some reason. Yeah. Um, the next morning, Clint tells Kate that he's going to talk to Kazi while Kate tracks down the trick arrows they used, uh... During, like, the LARPers are going to get, like, the trick arrows. Is where I'm going with this. <laughs> uh, Kate and the and Lucky the Pizza Dog go to the park where the LARPers are practicing and ask, she asks the ones who are cops, specifically Wendy, to get oh, the wait, arrows from wait. the locker. I have, like, one stupid question. Right. I know, I know in the comics he's named Lucky the Pizza Dog, but do they ever refer to him as that full name in the show? No. I think they they just call him Lucky, right? And they, they feed him pizza. They mostly call him either Pizza Dog. Kate calls him Lucky at one point, um, which is what happens in the comics. For a long time, he doesn't have a name. He's just Pizza Dog. And then they eventually name him Lucky the Pizza Dog. Yeah, but in the show, I think she just ends up naming him Lucky. Later on, at first, though, she's just calling him Pizza Dog. Okay. I just wanted... Because I was like, I don't think they ever use that full name in the I show. I want him to get a comics run. <laughs> what would he do? I don't know, but just I, I want to see. He's, he's not like Superdog. 
I know, I know, but I just want to see like I want them to at least make a cover just because I want to see the phrase "Lucky the Pizza Dog" and like a nice like Bronze Age type of font style. Lucky the Pizza Dog, uh, Alligator Loki, um, uh, Goose, and um, Morris. They could have say they could have fought Thanos. They could have killed him. (laughs) That was my favorite lead up to Endgame. Everybody being like, Goose could have killed Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> like, my, one of my favorite tweets after seeing ending, or Infinity War was somebody tweeted, uh, which I don't think this was a spoiler because they never mentioned Infinity War. They just tweeted, uh, Goose would have gone for the head. And it you mean is after my Captain f- Marvel, right? Because Captain Marvel Captain came Marvel out. Came out between the two of them? Yes. Yeah, then yes, Captain Marvel. Either way, once we met Goose, somebody tweeted, Goose would have gone for the head. And I thought it was fucking hilarious. That's funny. Um. Anyway, uh, the LARPers agree to help uh, while Clint confronts Kazi in the back of his car. Clint figures that Kazi knows what Maya's boss wants, and Maya uh, has a need for vengeance against Ronan that's going to get her killed. He tells Kazi that Maya is chasing a ghost, and that he is the only one who can convince her to stop. Clint goes back to the apartment and finds Kate with some of the LARPers trying on costumes. Um, they're gonna, the rest of the LARPers are coming back with trick arrows in a few minutes. Uh, Laura texts back that the watch is still transmitting from an address in New York City. And Clint says he has to go. Wendy returns with the arrows and reluctantly hands over her bag, hands over the bag with her, his arrows in it. That night, Clint takes Kate to a rooftop across the street from the address where the watch is. He tells her that he's going in and she should give him a signal if she needs anything. Kate goes down to the street, walks in, and takes the elevator in while helping a man carrying his groceries. She tells the man that she's helping an Avenger, but he isn't interested and gets off the elevator at his floor. Uh, Kate goes to the apartment door and tries to pick a lock, but discovers that it's unlocked. She goes in, shoots a goo arrow at the strobe light emitters in the uh, ceiling corner. And looks around, finding the watch. She also finds a notebook with the name of Clint and his family. And realizes that the the lights are a silent alarm for deaf people. And that she is in Maya's apartment. At this point, Clint is being attacked by somebody on the roof. Um, <laughs> on, on the other side of the street. Lots happening. Maya jumps out of nowhere and attacks Kate with a knife. Uh, and Clint tells Kate that Maya is on the roof with him. Uh, Clint is fighting a masked figure that he assumes is Maya. Uh, he fires a zip line across the street and tells Kate to get on it. Kate slides across but stops halfway because she doesn't have enough height. The attacker uh, draws a gun and aims it at Kate. As Clint steps in the way, Maya slides down the line and kicks the attacker. She knocks the gun out of his out of their hand. Or sorry, Kate slides down the line and kicks the attacker. She knocks the gun out of the attacker's hand and off the building. Kate and Clint fight the two women and the attacker fires tasers from her wrist bracers. Kate pulls the tasers off and renews her attack uh, before being knocked off the building. Cliff runs to the edge and sees that the line on Kate's waist has caught her. He tells her to go and cuts the line and she falls into some Christmas lights. I said this on the Shared Screen podcast. I will say this again. You did not know that those lights would be sturdy enough to support her and she was high enough up that she still would have really gotten hurt. I know. Like, what the heck... Why? Like, what, why? Why would you do that? Why, why would you do that? No, no logic. None. Not a single, Stupid single brain Clint. cell. Bad boy. Kate angrily goes back up to the roof via the stairs and fires an exploding arrow that knocks everybody down. 
Myra recovers first, and Kate shoots her in the shoulder. She runs off. Clint attacks the other person and pulls off her mask, revealing that she is Yelena Belova, Natasha's younger sister. Yelena uses the widow's bite on Clint and then turns to face Kate. Kate can't bring herself to shoot Yelena, who then jumps off the roof in a very cool way. Yes. Also, she has a grappling hook, so it's not dumb for her to jump off the roof. Um, Kate asks Clint who that woman was, and she needs to know everything if she's going to be Clint's partner. Clint tells her that they were never partners, and this has gotten very real because somebody has sent a black widow after him, so he is doing it alone. Kate tells him that he isn't, she understands the risk, and Clint tells her to go home. Can can Um, we take, like, two seconds to talk about how Florence Pugh... Her picture got reported when she Mm -hmm. posted it on Instagram. And I'm like, okay, I understand being like, no spoilers. But we all knew she was showing up in this show. Mm -hmm. Like, you were idiotic if you didn't know that. And it wasn't like she was saying anything that happened in the episode. It was literally just a picture of her in the episode. And that was it. That she took on her own television. Yeah, I know. The, the, the social media companies are getting too strong with these bands, guys. I'm I'm being serious it, here. I don't, shut the fuck up. It's I know what you tweeted. I understand why they banned you for a week. I feel like if I don't say what I tweeted, people are going to assume I put out some type of slur or no, something horrible. No, 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 he didn't say okay. anything terrible, but he said something bad about you know. He said something about assault, about assaulting someone, and Twitter got mad. Ay ay ay. Um. Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah. Um, a substantial ex. We're into fun facts now. A substantial <laughs> ex excerpt of the car chase scene was previewed at Marvel Studios' 2021 Disney Plus Day special. At the start, when Clint and Kate are arguing about which one of them will do the driving, um, Kate's dialogue is muffled to indicate Clint's hearing pro- problem. In the preview of this version, the dialogue was audible. Her words were, no, you you drive, I shoot. Oh Parker my god, I didn't even, I didn't even catch that, that yeah. they changed it in, because I watched that thing. In yeah. the trailer, they made it that you can actually hear it, because there were a lot of people on Twitter that didn't like, because like, it was such a dumb line being like, you drive, I shoot, like, we're cavemen. And then in the, in the show, you realize it's for a different reason. Yeah. Um, Hawkeye uses an arrow labeled Pym to grow the other arrow to gigantic proportions. In the comics, for a while, Hawkeye gave up being Hawkeye to become Goliath, and he drank Pym particles to become huge. He what? He drank Pym particles. I don't know he was Goliath for a while. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Why do you have to give up the Hawkeye? Why couldn't he be Goliath with a fucking bow and arrow? You can't shoot if you're this big, but your opponent is this big, and your arrows are proportionate to what you are, that's just not yeah, an effective way. You would also create a crater. I'm, I'm a little bit more concerned with the fact that he was drinking the Pym particles. <laughs> Those don't seem like they should be ingested. Yeah. When Kate draws a new costume for Clint, it is his original purple costume from the comics worn when he first appeared as a villain for Iron Man in Tales of Suspense. Great. 
Hi, Cleo. Darnell Basaw, who played young Maya Lopez, and Alkia Cox, who played Maya Lopez slash Echo, are cousins in real life. While Alkia is deaf, Darnell isn't, but she learned ASL for the show. Had, in the comics, Maya... Sorry, sorry? I had, like, read that somewhere, that they were cousins. I didn't know how accurate that was. It's true, yeah. Yeah, that makes the most sense, to just hire someone that's going to be semi-related so they look they, alike. They, yeah, they look, like, scary alike. Yeah. Because they're related. Yes. Um, yes. In the comics, Maya Lopez was first introduced in Daredevil number nine, December 1999. Her father was killed by Winston Fisk in the comics rather than Ronan, as show here. She is then raised by Wilson Fisk, who honors his promise to her father, which is not shown in the episode. The USB arrow has appeared twice uh, before this moment. The first time was in Avengers, and the second time was in an episode of What If. What If was a dumb show. Fuck What If. <laughs> Kate has a conversation with one of the tracksuit track mafia people about uh, the music group Imagine Dragons. They say, sang the main theme song for the animated series Arcane, which Haley Seinfeld voices one of the lead characters in. Um, Maya's uncle in the Karate Academy could be the long-rumored entry of Kingpin, a.k.a. Wilskin Fisk, into the MCU. Kingpin previously appeared in the Marvel Netflix show Daredevil, which starred in 2015, portrayed by Vincent D'Afrono. That was a beefy hand. Beefy hand, chonky hand. Uh, As per the previous trivia, the uncle pinching Maya's cheek is the Kingpin. Um, And it is rumored that the laugh we hear is Vincent D'Afrono. Jeremy Renner and Haley Seinfeld just both <laughs> both learned American Sign Language to well to be able to welcome Alkia Cox to the set. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it might be Alkia actually. Now that I'm looking at it, how were you just saying it? Alkia. I think I think that's right. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Either way. I'm sorry if I'm, in, I'm mispronouncing it. I looked it up and heard somebody say Alkia, but now I'm looking at it. I don't know if that's right. I hope that's right. Sorry. Uh, the TV show was originally tentatively planned as a movie, which was even included in Jeremy Renner's contract. However, Kevin Feige felt it was a better fit for a television show, and uh, Renner agreed to the change. Maya Lopez is the second deaf superhuman to be featured in Marvel Comic Universe. Uh, the first was Makari in The Eternals, played by Lauren Ridloff. Both are played by actual deaf actresses. As uh, they should be. As they should be. Alkia Cox is also Native American and deaf, just like her character Maya Lopez. And I don't think I have a fun fact about this, but the reason that Maya is a does not have the lower half of her leg is because Alkia Cox is actually um, an amputee, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's not I a didn't know that. Thing. Yeah, that's I... not a character thing. She's not, it, like in the comics, Maya isn't, doesn't have a prosthetic. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, many fans wondered if the series would be based on the acclaimed Hawkeye comic series by Matt Fraction, Dave Aja, and Javier Pludio. Is primarily dealt with Clint Barton on his day off from the Avengers and depicted him as a hard luck, constantly beaten up, half awake, often unlucky guy helping keep his neighborhood safe, getting swept swept into side missions and getting made fun of by Kate Bishop. So, yes. If you ever see a comic panel that is Kate with long hair and her bangs, 
um, making fun the entire time she's just being kind of mean to Hawkeye, that's the fraction problem. <laughs> no, I just mean like if this was based on after everything you described that happens in that round, it's like, so yeah. Yeah. It's it's no, based it off is, that. It's based on the fraction round. Yeah. It's even the same logo. According to the Hollywood Reporter, Disney Plus jo- chose Jonathan Igla as writer, executive producer, and de facto showrunner on Hawkeye after he previously served as a writer and story editor on Mad Men. Oh. Olivia Cook and Tess Ty- 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 Taisa, I don't know how you say her name, the chick from the chick from American Horror Story. Taisa. Emma Roberts? No. Taisa Farmiga. Uh, Taysa Farmiga were in the running for Kate Bishop before Haley Seinfeld was cast. Taisa Wait, who was the, the, who was the Olivia, other one you said? Olivia Cook. I don't know if you know a lot that she's been in. She's in Me Earl and the Dying Girl, and she was in Bates Motel. Olivia. Um, okay. She's in other stuff too. And then who was the other one? Uh, Taysa Farmiga. T a i s s e Farmiga. Yeah, I feel like. She she makes more sense than yeah, but, but casting Taisa Farmiga as Kate with her older sister playing Eleanor is is weird. True, true. Farmiga would... playing her mother is weird. Her that real life older sister yeah. or her older sister from Vera Farmiga plays Eleanor. That is her actual older sister. Yeah, that'd be weird. That would yeah. be weird. Yeah, but but you know she would look so much like her mother. Uh, they do look very much alike. Vera Farmiga is the one in the Conjuring movies, Jordan, and and this, and her sister looks just like the little one. T- oh, what is she in that you watch? I don't, I've only seen the first Conjuring movie. Yeah, never mind. During the mid, uh, never mind. I don't want to read that one yet. Um, Haley Seinfeld, Kate Bishop, uh, is one of the latest actors and actresses who have appeared in both the Transformers live-action film franchise and the MCU. And I listed this because I thought it was funny. So obviously she's in Hawkeye and in Bumblebee. Rachel Taylor, who plays Maggie in Transformers, played Trish Walker in Jessica Jones. Laura Haddock um, from Transformers is played by Vivian Wembley, who plays one of the nurses in Captain America the First Avengers, Meredith Quill in Guardians of the Galaxy, and in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, Stanley Tucci is in Transformers as uh, first Joshua Joyce and then Merlin and plays Erksine in Captain America the First Avengers. Avenger. Anthony Hopkins plays Sir Edmund Burton in Transformers The Last Night and Odin in the Thor movies. Hugo Weaving voiced Megatron in Transformers, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, and Transformers Dark of the Moon. Um, and voiced Red Skull in Captain America the First Avenger. Jorge Lindenberg Jr. played Memo in Bumblebee and Jason Ionello in Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home. Um, Gemma Chan voiced Quintessa in Transformers The Last Night and played Minerva in Captain Marvel and Cersei in Eternals. When are we getting John Cena in the MCU? Is John Cena in the Transformers movie? I think he's in Bumblebee. Fun. The song playing in the background when Kate... He's in, in... He, no. Wait, what? is he in? Is John Cena Peacemaker? Or yes. Am I confused? Yes, okay. he's Peacemaker. Yes. Um, the song playing in the background when Kate is uh trying on costumes with the Larpers is "Bells, Bells, Bells" from the 1980s Star Wars Christmas album "Christmas in the Stars," as performed by Anthony Daniels as his character C-3PO. Good. 
uh, which is the nerdiest thing I've ever heard in my goddamn life, and tells me that there was somebody, there was a nerd in that writer's room who knows of this and went, guys, what if the LARPers were listening to it? How fucking funny would that be? And I there's, appreciate that man. Also that just man is doing God's work. It's just Disney crossing over shit. Yes, but but there, there's two levels of Star Wars fans. There is knows that the Star Wars Christmas Victoria, special I love exists. You so much, but you only found out that Star Wars is a worldwide phenomenon a week ago. Uh-huh. No, okay, no, 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 no. I okay, I didn't. I didn't not know that it was a. I just didn't. It seemed like an odd thing to reference in a Spanish television show. I did not realize, like, you know how pop culture things sometimes feel very like Americanized, even if they are released worldwide. The the biggest ones are worldwide everywhere. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Marvel. Everybody knows about them. I wouldn't give Marvel it yet because Marvel, there's a lot of movies that haven't released in all foreign markets the way old Star Wars movies did. Yeah. I just, Um, I don't know. But it's definitely big outside of America, outside of just America. Oh, it's huge, yeah. I but there's a special that. type of Star Wars nerds nerds that know about the Christmas special. No, no, there's knows about the Christmas special. Then there is has seen the Christmas special. Hello, I have seen the Christmas special, and it's the only Star no, Wars ha- movie I've seen. No, you haven't. Have yes, you I have. Somebody in my class in in college one year asked our professor if the class before Christmas break if we could watch it. Because they had it illegally on a drive, and we watched it. Anyone in who class. has it has it illegally. Illegally, yes, yeah. I know, I know. And every one of every actor who was in that Christmas special wishes that nobody knew what the Christmas special is. Oh yeah, I know. Um, I wished. I wish I was drunk watching that. It was. It's bananas. It I've is seen bananas. A tiny bit of it. Oh, Jordan, I have to. I know Chewbacca that. has a family. He, I yeah. have to, it revolves around his family. I have to send you the Yesterworld video on it because they show a lot of clips of it. I'll have to send it to you. Um, I can't. I can't believe I've never told you guys that story. That's my favorite fun fact. When people like bring up Star Wars, and I'm like, I've Star never Wars. seen any of them except the Christmas special, and people are like, "What?" Yeah. Um, the musical theme of Natasha Romanoff's death scene from Avengers Endgame can be heard twice in this episode. First, when Clint tells Kate about his best shot, and later when he uh, when Kate falls off the roof. <laughs> um, Great theme. Clint, we already talked about this, but Clint is seen drinking out of a mug that says Thanos was right. On the morning after the ugly Christmas sweater party, when Clint tells Kate to go see the LARPers, uh, she's wearing a white shirt commemorating the first living being to orbit Earth and die there. The dog, uh, Lakia, on the Soviet spacecraft Sputnik. On her shirt, there's a stylized picture of a dog in space. The inscription, Lakia, appears in script. Uh, Yelena Belova's theme from Black Widow is played when she takes off her mask. And that is Hawkeye's episodes three through four. We'll be back next time with the final episodes of Hawkeye. Is there any final thoughts anybody would like to give? These no. episodes are really when like shit got real for this show. Yeah. This oh show yeah. Phenomenal. But all right. So with that, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Learen Jass. You can also uh, find me and Jordan over. We gotta 
what is wrong with my brain today? Uh, we, Jordan we are and I, on Twitter. Yep, we got Twitter. We got all that stuff. Uh, Jordan and I have a streaming thing that we use sometimes. That's Orphan Gamers. Follow us on Twitter at Orphan Gamers. We also have a Bridgerton podcast coming out soon that I'm going to plug because I want it to be bigger than Coldplay Replay. Please, if you're interested in Bridgerton and need a recap, Jordan will be watching the show for the first time. It'll be very similar to Marvel School for Dummies. Jordan's watching it for the first time. I am re-watching it to prepare for the second season. We're going to drink tea and talk about our, our thoughts on the show. We have some really funny bits planned for the show. It's going to be great. Uh, first episode drops on Valentine's Day. Uh, on on shared screens. On shared screens. On shared screens. Itself. On shared screens. <laughs> Jordan, where can the people find you? Well, by the time this comes out, I should have my Twitter back. So you could find me on Twitter at Jordan underscore D. <laughs> Shut up, Aaron. <laughs> In the meantime, I'm currently posting on the shared screens account from the void. So you could find uh, us there with access to all our other links at twitter.com slash shared screens. And Lauren already mentioned our uh, Twitch channel. Victoria, stop laughing. It's so I'm funny, sorry. It's, it's so really funny. funny. Victoria, where can the people find you? You can find you can find me on Twitter at damn content and on Instagram at Victoria Lyman. And the socials for our podcast are Marvel School Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I. I'm the only person that posts on them because I like to make fun of Jordan and Learen on there. <laughs> yeah. Which is fine. You don't make fun of us often. Jordan and I <laughs> could not make a, a special social media just to make fun of ours like each other because we do that too much already. You're allowed yes. to do that. But yes. with that, class is dismissed. We will see you next time. Goodbye.